This is Top Floor, episode 47. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 47. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Kaylin Beck is an excellent juggler, and I'm not referring to throwing flaming bowling balls in the air. Since her undergrad days at the University of Houston's Hilton School of Hospitality, Kaylin has always tried to maximize her time and learning curve by holding multiple internships and jobs simultaneously. With an MBA from Howard University and several years of career under her belt, Kaylin is still living a double life as a nonprofit fundraiser by day for the United Negro College Fund and a hustling entrepreneur every other minute as founder of Beck and Call Hospitality. Today, Kaylin and I are going to talk about the trials and tribulations of startup life. But before we do, we have to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Emma. Emma says, I am hiring an event planner for the very first time. How do I know who I should trust? I think this is a really funny question because we've had folks on here before talk about events that they double booked or forgot or didn't show up for. So I know that when people are hiring event planners, they're a little nervous. What do you think as an event planner yourself? How can you tell if you can trust somebody? Yes, that's a really good question. So I think that everything is based off of how you connect and you know vibe with people. A lot of times, uh, really all of the time when I'm getting clients, I always want to do a consultation, like at least 15 minutes just to meet with them, you know, make sure that um, I have the date available for them (laughs) and also make sure that, you know, their budget is reasonable for the event that they're trying to have. So I would always say, you know, meet with as many event planners as you can just to get their vibe, see if you all connect, see if they plan events similar to the one that you're planning. And just go pretty much with your gut feeling. Gotcha. I think that's good advice. Do you think it's important to meet in person or can you do it over the phone? Well, before I was meeting, before COVID, I was meeting in person. But, you know, the phone is just as good. I I use a lot of um, virtual meetings. So we do Google Meets or Zoom where I'm able to connect and see the client and they're able to see me. And of course, you know, I like meeting in person. Um, but you know, with the way COVID has shifted things, we've had to transition. So I would say either, either or. Gotcha. I bet Zoom meetings now, it's just so much more efficient with your time, you know? So one of the things that you and I have in common is that we grew up in families that entertained a lot. What are a couple of your favorite memories or favorite events from when you were growing up? 
my favorite memories would have to be holidays. So we would always celebrate uh, Christmas at both of my grandmother's house. So um, we started off, we would spend the night at my dad's mom's house on Christmas Eve. And, you know, they would let us open up one gift on Christmas Eve and then the rest of them the next morning. And then um, by Christmas evening, we would be at my mom's mother's house. So I just remember being with family a lot. I remember helping my grandmother cook. I remember helping my grandmother set up the dining room table and decorate the Christmas tree. It was very traditional. And, you know, it's kind of upsetting because the older we get, the less we get to spend time with family. So I've oftentimes found myself going back and remembering those old memories. And we're trying to build new traditions as we get older. So any special food that you cooked with your one of your grandmothers? Yes. Yeah, so and my grandmother has this famous pound cake that she makes. And we actually made it uh, for Beck and Call on one of our TikToks. We we did a reel with my grandmother where we made the pound cake with her. Oh, cool. And she has this like, she'll make different uh, flavored icing. So uh, we made it with the pineapple glaze, but she normally makes it with lemon glaze. And it was, Yum. It's, everybody loves it. So that's one of my favorite. And then my other grandmother, she has her own chocolate chip cookie recipe, which we also made. Uh, for Beck and Call last year, and we shared the recipe with our email list. So those are two things, as you can tell, I have a sweet tooth. So I, <laughs> Me I too. Love I love sweets. Anything chocolate. Excellent. You have a lot of hospitality operations experience. You did hotel internships and jobs that took you kind of through all of the different departments. And then you did a multi-year stint um, in the restaurant business. What were some of your favorites? If you could go back in time and and take one of those jobs now, what one would you choose? I would definitely have to go back to working for Music World Properties, which is on it was owned by Matthew Knowles. So I think you know when you're young. Wait, wait, you wait. Really... Matthew Knowles, as in Beyonce Knowles. Beyonce. Oh, yeah, yes. okay, no big deal, yes, no big deal. Yes. <laughs> so you know when you're young, you're not really in the moment you're just working you're not really soaking in like I really work for Matthew knows <laughs> um, I think that that was one of the jobs where I learned the most about leadership and um, working with different clients because I was so used to working in the restaurant I wasn't too familiar with events and doing a, a schedule and writing the checks for the staff that all that was very new for me at that young of an age. So I would say that was the job where I learned the most and it was most exciting because I got to see all of the different events that came in. And then also him being still in the music industry, I was able to meet some of his new artists. So it was very fun and very um, eye-opening and I learned a lot. It sounds pretty glamorous too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In addition to your day job, you run Beck and Call, which remains the best named hospitality <laughs> business I have ever heard. Thank what you. is the business and what kinds of things do you do? Yeah, so Beck and Call Hospitality, it started out as a um, event planning business that I started probably about six or seven years ago. I started right out of college. And of course, we've had a name change since then. But one of my goals in college was to always open a boutique hotel or bed and breakfast within my community here in Houston. And it's been taking a little longer than expected, but the vision is to redefine hospitality through a cultural lens. And so we want to do that by opening a bed and breakfast and providing curated cultural experiences 
programming and events and lodging to travelers coming into the city and locals who, you know, need something fun and engaging to do within the city. So right now our main focus is events and curating those cultural events. And also we're in our, I guess, investment phase. So we are trying, we're seeking investors and hopefully we'll be launching on a equity crowdfunding platform really soon where we can secure our first property, hopefully within the next couple of months. We actually met when you were pitching that bed and breakfast mm-hmm. concept at She Has a Deal. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about where the the B&B would be and what, what's it going to look like? How big? All that stuff. Basically, give me that pitch again. No, I'm just yes, kidding. <laughs> yes. No, it's okay. Yes. Yeah, so one thing that I've learned is to remain open. So originally, I wanted the bed and breakfast to be within the Third Ward community, which is a very historic, traditional community. And that's one of our core values is celebrating our heritage, uh, tradition, legacy. And unfortunate, well, I guess it is fortunate. A lot of people are moving back into, you know, the the inner city because it's convenient. You know, it's close to everything. It's in the middle of all the action. So a lot of people from the suburbs are moving back in. And a lot of the properties that I'm finding that I really fall in love with, they end up getting them really quick. Mm-hmm. So right now we're remaining open. Of course, I would love to be in third war, but I'm also considering other cities, surrounding cities like Galveston. It's a very nice city. I actually worked there for summer. And so I'm pretty familiar with the area. And I know that they bring a lot of tourists in during the um, summertime. So we're considering that side of town. And then I also have family that has land um, not too far from Texas A&M College. And so I've been meeting with them to see what we could do with the land because it's a lot of acres. It's like 23 acres. So I'm trying to see if I can at least maybe buy some of it from them and see what we can do there. So I'm just trying to remain open and see where this journey takes me. So you mentioned the third ward in Houston. It's also sometimes called the tray. This is where several sets of famous sisters are from, including Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad, Beyonce and Solange Knowles that we already talked about, and you and your sister. So tell me a little bit about what makes the third ward so special. Well, it's really one of the oldest wards in Houston, and it's around downtown. Most of my family grew up in Third Ward, and my uncles and grandmother and my sister and I, cousins, we all went to the same high school. We went to Yates High School, which is where Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen went to school. I will say, you know, Third Ward is one of those very traditional and prideful communities. Um, whenever you mention Third Ward or Yates High School, everybody knows like, okay, strong alumni, you know, strong community. And I think that's what made me want to put a place like Beck and Call within the community because I feel like we need a, a safe space, not just for people traveling, but for people in the community that are like, hey, you know, we need something to do. We want something fun to do. What events are going on? we could house those events in our community instead of having to, you know, venture too far outside or even just going to downtown because of so many restrictions on like parking and the space and availability. So I think that's what makes Third Ward so special is the people as well as the tradition and the pride that comes along with it. You are an excellent marketer. I have been following Beck and Call closely almost since the day you changed the name to Beck and Call since the day I met you. 
And it's been really interesting to watch you experiment with different styles of marketing, events, etc. The thing I'm most interested in and have followed very closely are your fundraising experiments. Can you share some of that, those experiences in, in terms of fundraising for the BNB? Yeah. Well, first I want to give a quick shout out to my social media and marketing manager, Layla. She does all of my graphics. Before I got her, I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) She does um, an awesome job. She does a really good job and I really appreciate her. Um, But yes, with, with fundraising, it's a little tricky because I didn't have fundraising experience. You know, I went to school for hospitality, so I didn't really learn much about how to raise funds, you know, especially being an African-American woman, we're not really taught that in business. So um, She Has a Deal was the first pitch competition that I really participated in where I was able to learn the different ways to raise funds. And crowdfunding was one of the topics that came up. So I did a little research and I looked into iPhone Women. And iPhone Women is a platform for uh, women entrepreneurs who want to raise money through family, like a family and friends round. Okay. And so it's no, um, it's not equity based. It's purely donation based or rewards based. So we set it up into tiers and it took a while because I didn't want it to seem like we just threw something together. So it took us about four or five months to at least plan the different rewards we want to set up the different tiers. We wanted people to donate. Uh, we had a goal set at 25,000, Unfortunately, we didn't reach the goal, but we we made we were able to raise eleven thousand. Wow! So I thought that that was pretty good for family and friends round. Absolutely. And, you know, we had to pretty much be able to adjust to other people's uh, ways of giving. So if you didn't want to set up an account on iPhone Women, you could still Zell us or Cash App us or PayPal us, so that it was more convenient. And that was pretty much a trial run for what I'm getting ready to do within the next one to two months, hopefully. Uh, my mentor, Davon Reeves with the Vaughn Group, she just launched her own crowdfunding platform. And so I'm looking forward to, and this will be equity-based. So I'm looking forward to launching on her platform pretty soon and learning how that um, equity crowdfunding works. And hopefully it'll be beneficial to us securing the property really soon. Excellent. I am planning to interview Davon very soon. Yes. So yes. stay tuned. Yes. He's amazing. Cultural events, I know, are a really important part of your brand. Can you tell us about one of your most recent events? Yes. Actually, our last one was a Juneteenth-inspired event. And uh, we were able to get Ciroc to sponsor. They sponsored last year as well. We were able to get them to return as a sponsor for this event. And Juneteenth, of course, you know, is very important, not only to the Black community, but the Black community in Texas, because, you know, this is where the slaves found, found out they were free in Galveston. So each year I want to have a different theme. And so this year um, I wanted to tie it into the arts. And I was able to collaborate with one of my old high school classmates who is a photographer. And it was a blessing because the way everything aligned and everything worked together, she was able to lead in areas that I could not lead, you know, being that I have a job, uh, being that she knows more about that art space than me. But I I am passionate about it. It's just, she knows more because (laughs) that's her focus. Aces and places. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We were able to come together and plan this great event where we honored two local photographers who actually their work is well-known 
One is Mr. Early Hudnall, and he's taken pictures all around the country. He's been featured in the Smithsonian Museum, and he's known for taking photos within the different wards in Houston. And then Mr. Ray Carrington was my photography teacher at Yates High School, who actually just retired. So we thought it would be a great idea to honor him um, at this celebration as well. And we chose about 30 images to display on the wall. And we had, you know, light bites. We had the drinks curated by Ciroc and a DJ that curated the sound and the vibes to coordinate with the images. And it was a really good event. We were able to get featured in one of the local magazines here. So that those are the type of events that we want to actually hold at the space when we get them. But, you know, now we've been working with community partners to help us collaborate on events like this. That's really cool. I followed along on Instagram and it looked like a wonderful event. It looked really, this is going to sound silly, but it it just looked like something very special, like a once in a lifetime kind of Mm -hmm. experience. Hey, y'all, we are going to take a quick break here. When we return, Kaylin shares her plans for crowdfunding and hosting a self-care retreat. Be right back. Top Floor is supported by SiteMinder. In an online world that never sleeps, you can't afford to be off ever. So how do you keep rooms full, guests raving, costs down, and staff happy? SiteMinder is the world's leading hotel commerce platform that provides hoteliers like you with the tools you need to sell, market, manage, and grow your business all from a single dashboard. It's technology without the need to be super techie, intelligence without the detective work, and simplicity without leaving anything out. To learn more about how SiteMinder can help your hotel grow online, visit siteminder.com forward slash top floor. As you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from each episode of Top Floor with a couple of practical, specific tips to try either in their businesses or their lives. What are a couple of your biggest lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? I feel like I've learned so much and I'm still learning every day. But I would say to be patient. I know that's very common to hear, but I've learned not to rush things and not to do things that don't make sense. Like, you know, a lot of times people give me advice and I'm like, well, I don't think that really aligns with what I'm trying to do. And at first, you know, before I started going back to therapy, I would be like a a yes man. So I would be like, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. But then, um, you know, as I've gotten older and I've spoken to more people in the space, in the hospitality space, and even entrepreneurs, you know, they're just like, pace yourself, don't get too overwhelmed, especially with me working. So that's one set of advice I would give is just be patient. And then also I would say, make sure you have a strong support system. That's very important. I'm very close to my family and they're always very supportive. My friends, they're always coming to my events. And it really means a lot because, you know, sometimes people don't have that support system and it can take a toll on you mentally and physically. So I would say that. And then lastly, uh, I would say um, take care of yourself. So um, self-care is very important and making sure you take breaks. And I'm still adjusting to that too. You know, it, it takes me a lot 
to just sit down and not do anything. You have always have had like 900 jobs at the same time. You are hyper. (laughs) Yes. So I, I would definitely say that's something I'm still learning, but it's important because it can definitely affect you in ways that you didn't realize, especially when you get older. If a listener wants to follow your path and create a hospitality startup, what advice would you give? I would say that you should definitely do your research. Research is very important. I did a lot of research, especially when I was doing the She Has a Deal. That was probably when I did the most because I did not even know half of the information that they were dishing out to us. So I I learned a lot. Um, I did a lot of reading. And of course, I still read a lot of articles about hospitality and how it's it's changing every day. Um, Also, how people are trying to get more into hospitality and ownership in the hospitality space. So I would say do a lot of research and make sure that it's something that you like doing because, you know, it's not just about being friendly and you know, putting up an Airbnb, you have to really know the day-to-day operations of hospitality and know how to work with people and, you know, just know how to be a good leader. You mentioned safety earlier regarding putting the B&B in the third ward and in your community. How do you think that hospitality companies can do a better job of ensuring both physical and maybe more importantly, psychological safety for guests and employees? Definitely by being more inclusive in terms of marketing. Uh, One of the articles I read probably about two years ago, it talked about how travelers don't feel represented. A A lot of minority travelers feel misrepresented in marketing materials for travelers and I think that that's very important to make people feel safe in a space is making sure that they feel heard, making sure that, you know, those small touches, um, even if it's art that takes them back to a certain space or a certain place in time, making them feel welcome, no matter who it is, um, everyone should feel safe. And uh, I think that's one thing. I think another thing is, believe it or not, I think signage is very important. So even at events, we have to make sure that everything we do is physical for people to see, whether it's the menu, you know, or the sign-in chart, you know, making sure that people are able to easily access the things that they need to. That's interesting. I really like that you brought up signage because I think that that is, you know, sort of knowing what you're supposed to do and what's the Mm -hmm. expectation and where do I go and what should I anticipate here That's a really interesting point that I would not have thought of. Yeah. Now it's time for us to pull out our crystal balls and predict the future. So what is one prediction you have about the future of hospitality? I think that just the way things are going now, of course, you know, people are getting back to traveling, but I do think that boutique hotels are going to be more of the focus within the next couple of years. And even those um, smaller short-term rentals that are very focused on creating experiences, I think that's one going to be two things that stand out in the future for hospitality. One thing I, I have noticed as well is the way that marketing for hospitality has changed, even with like social media influencers and content creators. You know, they'll they'll go to a place just to take a picture. So I think that that's going to be 
even more, you know, as, as reels are coming along and TikTok, I think that's going to be even more of a focus for hospitality places to provide those experiences and unique settings for um, guests who are traveling, but also locals as well. So I think those are two things that are, are going to transform this hospitality industry. You may have said this earlier, but what's the next move for you on getting the B&B off the ground? So the next move, we have a, a couple of moves. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> really big on uh, research. So I'm really wanting to plan a, a focus group with some community uh, advisors and even, you know, just people who live within the third world community to pick their brain and see if this is something that they will want in the community. So I'm working on that for maybe the end of the year. And then also, hopefully we'll be launching on Davon's platform, Vester, really soon. Uh, we're actually working on getting the paperwork for that together. And so uh, we'll have a launch date released pretty soon. So everybody stay tuned. Uh, but we're looking to do that sometime in August so that we can secure a property, hopefully by the end of the year. Holy moly. Yeah. Any upcoming cultural events that you have planned? Or, I mean, it sounds like you have plenty to do, but just checking. Yeah. Well, aside from the events that I plan for my business, like weddings, uh, we are working on doing a retreat and we were actually going to do it in September, but we decided to push it back to February to give us more time to market and focus on launching on the platform. So we're focusing on doing a retreat, hopefully in Fredericksburg, Texas, which is where they have the wineries. Um, I have a friend that owns a cabin there. And so she's willing to let us use a space for the retreat. And I want to focus on self-care and uh, mental health. So bringing a yoga instructor and someone who can help us with like sound bowls and journaling and maybe a therapist that could come talk to the guests that are coming. So those that's one big thing that we're working on. Wow, that sounds like a major undertaking. Anything yeah. else coming up for you or your company that you want to make sure we know about? Well, other than launching on Vester and the retreat, those are the two major things. So I would love, you know, to share my information. The website is yourbeckandcall.co so people can go there and, and see what we have coming up. Things change. So I might have an event, you know, <laughs> next month. We'll put it all in the up. show notes for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, folks, before we tell Kaylin goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Kaylin, what is the story you would only tell me on the loading dock? I was trying to figure out which would be the best story, but I would have to say this one tops all of the other ones. So I did an internship <laughs> in Alaska for what? a summer. Yeah, I did an internship. It was way different than Texas. <laughs> I bet. It was different. I, I interned at a lodge. It was called Denali Park Lodge. So Denali Park is one of the national parks in Alaska. And it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere, but it's the lodge is next to the national park. And a lot of people stay at the lodge because they take those cruises that leave out of Alaska, the Norwegian cruise. And so uh, I worked there for a summer front desk. And a lot of people were telling me stories like, you know, there's moose that roam around the property. And I was like, okay, well, I haven't seen one yet. You know, I don't know what's going to happen if I see one. 
but hopefully, so, you know, they tell, you know, if you see one, don't run, just walk slow. And I'm like, okay, really? But, Why? Cause it'll make it, make the moose it, chase yeah. you. Yeah. Huh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Okay. So, um, I'll never forget one morning. I used to have to be at the front desk at like 4am. I had like a 4am to 2pm shift. So, you know, in Alaska, there's like six months of daylight, 24 hour daylight. And then six months of 24 hour night. So, uh, when I got there, it was still like 24 hour daylight and the sun never went down. It was interesting, (laughs) but, um, I'll never forget one day I was getting up, getting ready to go. And I was dressed and I, as soon as I walked out, like on the steps of the, they had uh, lodging for staff that stayed, that, that worked at the property. So as soon as I stepped down the first step, the moose was like right there at the end of the step. No, ma'am. So what I did was I just turned around and I went back into my room and I had to call my, my supervisor. I was like, look, I can't come right now. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot step out of this room until it's gone. I had never been so like, you know, when they be like, you know, I'm about to, you know. Yeah, I bet. I'm impressed you didn't wet your pants. That is crazy. How tall was the moose? It was pretty, probably like four feet. Probably about my height or maybe like a little bit taller gotcha but it's, it's very common like they're very quiet you know so you don't really hear them like walking up on you or you know they don't really make a lot of noise it was interesting i don't ever have to go back to alaska <laughs> but i mean it is very it's a very scenic place but that's one memory that i will never forget oh my it's gosh that is amazing yeah. i love it yeah kaylin back thank you so much for being here i loved thank your you. stories and i'm rooting for your immense success and i really appreciate you. you riding with us to the top floor thank you for having me i appreciate it Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes from today's episode at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 47. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 